<laughs> what is it? I don't know. I when this came out, I loved this show. I used to buy the season books where they take a season and go through every every episode. I had about the first three or four seasons where I do that. Uh, Imagine if you kept up with that, and then stopped. And I haven't, I haven't watched one in, gosh, ten years. Though yesterday when I mentioned a Simpsons um, scene when I saw you for a second yesterday. Yeah, no, and it was a great scene. (laughs) Yeah, it's an early scene. It's before Homer became a dope. Well, that's why I in in season one. I haven't watched it in the last fifteen years, really. Homer became one of the one of the amazing things about The Simpsons is when when The Simpsons started, it was really built around Bart. Yeah, Bart was yes. the primary character. Yes. He was the primary antagonist and in, yep. in all the agitator of it. to everything. Yeah, yep. and as the story and characters right. evolved, it became about it Homer. Really became very Homer centric. It totally did. Uh, Homer is perhaps my all time favorite. TV character. Oh, I mean, there's just... There are so many great him. lines, I know. Yeah. And uh, there's so many great episodes. There's actually a book out there that I haven't read, so I can't recommend it. But I will say this. There's, there the are Gospel According to Simpsons? The Gospel According to the Simpsons. Have you? Yeah, many years ago. Because there are a lot good. of Judeo-Christian themes that run throughout the book. Yeah. Not only the... One of my favorites is the fact that they are... A family that still eats at a dinner table together, together, yes. and everybody goes to church. That was one of the things I went. Oh yeah, they describe when, when they're in church, every person is there. Krusty the clown, Mo the bartender, they're, they're all most. They're all at. <laughs> they're all at church. Being a part of a church and a community of faith is important to them. Yep, crazy, yeah. but it, it, it's one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. Well, welcome everybody to Joel and Rob's podcast. We are on chapter 31 uh, in our exploration of Brian McLaren's fantastic book. Uh, This chapter is called The Choice is Yours, and we wrap up the Sermon on the Mount in this chapter. These are the last last section of chapter 7. But before we get into this chapter, yesterday during our worship service, we... um, uh, we Zoomed with Brian McLaren. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to just quickly talk about that with you. Um, thoughts, highlights. Um, we didn't get to really dive into it too much, just a little bit after the service. But anything come from it that was um, eye-opening or just something you'll take from it? Is there anything you'll take from that conversation? I went back and listened to the interview, and, and there are just some incredible nuggets that that he leaves like he has an ability of saying something incredibly profound in just a few words like the church's call to take tradition incredibly seriously mm-hmm. yet refuse um to idolize it mm. you know yeah. yep uh or or when he's talking about uh our own tradition and how uh, so much of the time we uh, we are part of the Presbyterian tradition, and 
one of our founders was John Calvin, and he, and he talks about how it, we're actually being truer to our forefathers and mothers in, in, uh, in the faith when we follow their example more than when we literally follow their teaching because yeah, they were great breaking uh, yep. the mold in their own reformation. So. Yep. Like there was a, there was a lot, of, he, but he's such a good guy. I mean, I think that's the overall thing I take away. Is yeah. he's he's a good guy. Yeah, I haven't gone back and listened to it, and I will. That's a good idea. Um, there was one point where uh, what he said really stuck out to me. He was talking about uh, understanding something new or some new concept, and he he acknowledged that he's he's still learning and growing. Like he's he's still taking some some new idea came in and he kind of said and I don't really get it right now mm. you know there was this wonderful humility with him where I went oh I can sit and listen to you because you're willing to acknowledge that that you don't have everything figured out that you're still learning and growing um, that that and he even pointed how yeah I wrote this so many years ago and yeah I've kind of grown and changed a little bit or I've or I've that thought he had in that chapter has now been fleshed out even more was this kind of um, wonderful recognition of yeah. um, uh, this, this slow journey of faith that he's on um, and this wonderful humility I heard in him. Oh, his humility is, is palpable. I mean, because Brian is, he's world-renowned. Yeah. Uh, authored almost 20 books. Yeah. Um, he's... He's such an in-demand speaker that we were really blessed just to be able to Skype with him back in the fall. Yep. Uh, so, but he's accessible. He's down to earth. Yep. Uh, and, and so I guess that means that the other thing that we can take away is that he's authentic, yep. right? That he's not just writing things, um, trying to sell some goods. Mm -hmm. He's... He's writing about faith as he has genuinely experienced it, and as we're going to talk about today, yeah. in particular in chapter 31, faith as he seeks to live it. Mm -hmm. Let's dive in. That was yeah. a nice transition. Well done, Rob. <clears throat> so we are in chapter 7 of Matthew, uh, Matthew seven thirteen through 29. I'm just going to quickly highlight what Jesus, how he finishes the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about entering through the narrow and the wide gates. The narrow gate is what leads to life, and the wide or broad one leads to destruction. Yeah. Um, he has a section on false prophets, and that you will recognize false and true prophets by the fruit that they produce. Um, and then has, a, I think, a, a well-quoted section where he talks about how many people will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name, perform miracles in your name? And Jesus responds, I never knew you. Away from me. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. And then finally, um, he ends the Sermon on the Mount with the story of the wise and foolish builders. Those that hear his words and put them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Yeah. And those who do not, um, whose their foundation was not on this, on this rock of Jesus' words and 
practice. The rain came, streams rose, the winds blew, and the house fell. So first, um, thoughts on these scriptures before we dive into Brian. There's a lot of different little sections here he slams in. Yeah, I'll be honest, the, the... Having dug into the Sermon on the Mount in a way I don't think I ever have before this book study and in and, and our podcast that digs into the chapters, I never really appreciated the narrow gate, mm-hmm. tougher, tougher path, wider gate, easier path with, with the whole, you know, conformity to the ways of the world versus yep. nonconformity to the ways of God's kingdom. Yes. One one looks wider and easier. Yep. One seems harder and much more futile, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, but that took on total new life for me, reading it this time around. I think I read the Sermon on the Mount um, uh, fully in its context. So we talk about reading the scriptures, how you have to read what, is around each section of scripture before and after and how we we I'm, I'm talking generally here can take scripture and just extract it out and so like this first one narrow and wide gates i've heard it used before as the road that leads to life eternal life eternal life light. life after death life in heaven where we go when we die exactly and jesus is not talking about that at all here. Not even a little he hasn't, bit, right? He hasn't for a second talked about life after death. It has That's been such a good point. Intently life right How do you here. live life as God intends it here and now? Yep. So the importance of not extracting scripture that can be done, and we all do it in some sense. I'm not blaming, not excluding myself right now, but just the need to read scripture in its context. Yep. And even the very end, the wise and foolish foolish builders, at times I've heard that scripture to be um, equated to uh, only those who, again, kind of a life and death scenario, those who trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Yeah. When here, he, this is the very end of this whole, whole sermon that he's preached. And yeah. so he is he's saying, so to, to be invited into this life that I'm inviting you into, this true life, Brian will call it aliveness. Um, uh, if you want to truly do that and put, as he says, hear these words of mine, put them into practice. Yeah. That is what this whole wise, um, wise builder and foolish builder, it's this life of, of um, inner work and then which naturally comes out of it this action that that Jesus is talking about. So just the need for context when you read the Sermon on the Mount, but any scripture yeah, that we're talking yeah, about. You so know? well said. So well said. And how much of the time do we want to make it also just simply about mentally assenting, right? So the narrow gate is, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that I should yeah. trust in God. Yep. But then we think that just by saying that, by mentally agreeing with a concept, we're checking it off. That we're checking it off. We, we got it. When the whole Sermon on the Mount has been 
not about what you need to mentally assent to, but yep. what you need to begin to practice. I haven't had we hear a Richard Rohr moment in a while, so we're probably do we're, we're probably due for one. He has a phrase where he says Jesus um, uh, did not command us to worship him; he commanded us to follow him, and that is exactly what you're saying. It mm. is it is so wow. much easier to mentally assent and believe certain things about him as opposed to this following that, <laughs> that this whole last three chapters has been about that are so challenging, that are so difficult. That's the work of discipleship is this following, yeah. living it out on a daily yeah. basis. And then in the chapter, what's really, really remarkable, what Brian does is he, I think he gives us a gift where he goes through the Sermon on the Mount uh, beginning on page 145. Yep. And he just, in these bullet points, Yep. Summarizes, summarizes it. what does it mean to take to heart and live into the new perspective, the new ways of living yep. that Jesus tells to that crowd uh, and to us, even 2,000 years later, understanding that this whole Sermon on the Mount from the get-go was built upon all these people hearing about this amazing new rabbi and coming to him with questions, not as you said so well, not about what happens when we die, how do we get into heaven. They came with questions of how do we live life fully now? Mm-hmm. What does yep. life really entail? Life as God intends. Mm-hmm. And so we have these bullet points, which is great. What what stuck out to you? <clears throat> well, I was thinking about those bullet points of the entire Sermon on the Mount and which, which one really challenged me, but also invited me in a new way to, to live. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it comes back to the very beginning. I have read the Beatitudes or I've, I'm reading them in a whole new way um, that I have before. I think I shared with it when we got to that chapter, maybe 27 always kind of struggled with the Beatitudes when I read them. Oh, yeah. Just sure. trying to wrap my heads around them, um, trying to Absolutely. trying to preach on them, trying to lead a youth group message on them has just been, I don't know <laughs> where to start Blessed here. are the poor. Uh, it's just been so difficult to kind of, we um, uh, for our youth ministry small groups, we had one that met off-site, um, and our first lesson was going to be on the Beatitudes. So I was trying to... Uh, think about creating a lesson that our leaders could take and it just gave me so many problems throughout the week of how do I do this you know um, give someone a lesson that they can yeah Um, so it's given me a whole new way to uh, I guess live my faith Um, I'm going to just quickly read it because it needs to be read again be among the lowly in spirit Remain sensitive to pain and loss. There's that vulnerability right there. It's hard to do. Live in the power of gentleness. Hunger and thirst for true righteousness. Show mercy to everyone rather than harshness. Don't hide hypocrisy or duplicity in your heart. Work for peace. Be willing to joyfully suffer persecution and insult for doing what is right. Just 
profound. I don't have a lot of words around them besides be working on those for the rest of my life. Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) How about you? Yeah, it's aspirational, right? I mean, I think when we talked to him yesterday, he did such a good job of when we asked him about like this this idea of being blessed. You know, it's it's this the idea is really aspirational. It's not that like we aspire to all be super rich and super powerful and super popular right now. Of course, we're not all going to be super rich and super powerful, but we this world tells us to aspire for that. We can aspire, even knowing that we're going to fail along the way yeah. and get dirty and mess up. But, you know, it's about aspiring to be merciful, aspiring to seek justice. Yes. It's about aspiring to identify yourself with the poor. It's about aspiring to, to strive for peace. Um, so, yeah, good way to put it. Yeah, it, he did such a good, I think it's Brian. And then he kind of sums it up in the next point where he says, dare to be a nonconformist by being boldly different. Yeah. Demonstrate our differences, right? To follow Jesus, you know, I've heard it said many times, and I've reiterated it in, in probably quite a few sermons, you know, disciples should look and sound different. Yeah, you have, actually. We, we yep. should. I've heard we that. We should look and sound different from others. Yep. And if we don't, then we're not taking the Sermon on the Mount, clearly. That's that's for sure. Well, nor discipleship. Yeah. Yep. Anything else? As he, the rest of the chapter, he goes through and yeah. highlights them all. That's for me, it was the Beatitudes. Yeah, I agree. that, And, and then on page 146, he, he gets into... Um, I think what happens once we do this, and there's this great line, he says, remember that God isn't setting up a forgiveness market, Mm. but is building a whole forgiveness economy. Mm. In other words, it's not all these changes that we are seeking to make for ourselves and for our world, or for ourselves, it, it is not simply an individual pursuit that, that we are under. We, we can only control ourselves. And yeah. we can only control what we seek. But God's ultimate endeavor is, uh, he calls it a forgiveness economy. The, what the popular phrase when I was in seminary, uh, I don't know if it was when, for you, but it was an economy of grace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God wants to just totally change yeah. the metric by which we live. Not the dollar, grace. Well, in the previous chapter, he he so well said, which I think is accurate, how he's getting the anxiety uh, and judgment and how contagious they are. Yeah. Um, which is absolutely That's true. That's such a good point. And then, but then he shifts and says, but the same way, forgiveness and grace is contagious Amen. too. That's and it that, is. That's a great point. It is contagious. Once you can kind of feed and spread either or. Um, and when we get into that forgiveness economy, when we take the strength and courage to start doing that, and forgiving someone just sets off a chain reaction of forgiveness. Mm. I like the end, and it 
he, he describes, kind of ends this chapter by reminding us of who we believe God to be. Um, he says, some claim that God is angry and needs to be appeased through sacrifice. Some claim God is harsh and demanding and requiring humans to earn God's favor through religious rule keeping. And he gets to, but based on what Jesus has told us in the Sermon on the Mount, he says this. And I'll get to it in a second. Um, it's a good way to end. Um, but at times in my in my own silent prayer, when I am um, taking some time for, for solitude, and I will often ask the question or um, need to remind myself like, who God is in this time with God. Need to um, kind of claim again um, who God is in the silence. Sometimes even not hearing God's voice, often not hearing God's voice in the silence. And I always come back to, well, when I'm questioning or when I'm doubting, mm -hmm. who does Jesus say that God is? Like Jesus is my reference point for who I believe and trust God to be in my questions and doubts. Because I've had other voices come in throughout my life, many of them, oh, sure. who would say things about God that were not constructive and... That's a good word for it. Yeah. Um, uh, forming. Um, that were not really the God who Jesus claims God is. And so... <clears throat> Jesus has been that one for me to kind of remember. So who does Jesus claim God is? And Brian, I think, nails it right here. Um, God is gracious and compassionate. God does not need to be appeased through sacrifice. God's love is freely given, does not to be earned, does not have to be earned. What God desires most is that we seek God's commonwealth of justice. We live with generosity and kindness. We walk humbly and secretly with God. Yeah, amen. We're going to end there. It's good enough for me. That's what you're well, everybody, thanks for joining us. You can find us at TowsonPress.org. You can find us on Facebook. At Towson Press. And Instagram at Towson Press. Um, we'll be back here on Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Except we won't be literally here, because amid our COVID-19 response today, the governor of Maryland has, we are in Maryland, and the governor has uh, now issued a formal stay-at-home order. Um, so we will be taking our remote podcast even a little bit more remotely Yeah. through, um, we'll be home and doing it. We'll still be coming to you every Monday and Wednesday at 1. And everything will still be accessible via, via Facebook and in, on our website. But instead of meeting like this, we'll just be in separate locations, but still connected through Zoom and through Facebook. Absolutely. Yeah. So until then, we look forward to being with you next time. He's Josh. I'm Bob. We'll see you soon. <laughs>